Greetings and welcome back to another in our ongoing series of shiurim called Book of the Year. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and it's my honor to be studying with you this year the study, the Sefer, the Book of Breshit, the story of the life of Avraham. Uh, n- under normal circumstances, this year would take place in our shul in Young Israel Century City. Uh, however, due to the restrictions, it affords us the opportunity to study it online and allows people all over the world to participate in this shiur. Um, we uh, got up to the Akedah. The Akedah is, without a doubt, the culmination of Avraham's career. Akedah, the Akedah, the 19, first 19 verses in chapter 22 in Breshit, uh, are, the, uh, are the, perhaps the most dramatic moment in Breshit, maybe even one of the most traumatic moments in all of Tanakh and all of our history, and everything changes afterwards. Uh, however, because of the significance of the Akedah, we're not going to address the text immediately. We're going to hold off for two shiurim that will engage in sort of preparatory study, uh, and uh, something that we'll look at as the prologue to the Akedah, uh, which is different rabbinic perspectives on the Akedat, and this year we're going to look at several passages from the Midrash, uh, and we'll do the same in the next year, and then when we start addressing the text, we will then use that as a springboard to look into the comments of various medieval commentators, the Rishonim, to see how they addressed it, because the, the Akedat brings, up, brings with it a whole host of serious uh, problems. One of them, which is quite clear to us, is how could God command such a cruel thing? as taking your own son and killing him. Uh, but another one, which is perhaps a bit more sublime but no, no less powerful, is, um, is the problem of a test. If Hashem is testing somebody, what does that mean? Normally a test is given when the one administering the test does not know how well the one being given the test is going to perform. And Hashem knowing everything, what is the purpose of the test? And that really is, those are really the two issues that are addressed by this first series of Midrashim. This is uh, from, taken from Breshit Rabbah. Breshit Rabbah is a Midrashic collection that was, uh, res- that was, the recension of which was, we think, around the 4th century uh, CE. Uh, it, hap- it was uh, composed and evidently uh, edited and put together in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, and uh, it is the uh, one of the older Midrasha collections we have, Breshit Rabbah, um, and uh, it is quite lengthy. As you can see, we're in chapter 55 of Breshit Rabbah, and we're only at chapter 22 of Breshit itself. So there are, are lots of Midrashic material on the passages before this and subsequent as well. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into the Midrash. Uh, I provided on pages 29 and 30 a translation of the Midrash, and then we're going to look at some other curious uh, passages um, uh, before uh, before saying goodbye. But let's take a look here first. So in classic Midrashic fashion, uh, we begin by quoting the first passage, the first verse, or the first, in this case the first clause of the verse. After these words, Hashem Nisa. We have to see what Nisa means, uh, Avraham. So the this passage, which operates as something of a p'tichta, something of an introductory proem to the story of the Akedah, begins as follows. 
which is a verse in Tehillim. In the classic Tichta fashion, we start with a verse that is from some other passage and wind it around and bring it back to our passage. And the meaning of this passage is, you have given to those who fear you a banner to, to wave because of truth. What does that all mean? It's in Tehillim Samech. So the answer is, Nisayon achar nisayon v'gidulin achar gidulin. You have to remember that the word nes in Tanakh means a banner or a flag. So nisayon achar nisayon can mean a raising after a raising, or it can mean a test after a test. Gidulin achar gidulin, one elevation after the other. Why? Bishvil l'nasotan ba'olami, in order to raise them up in the world. And this is addressing the second question I mentioned, which is, what is the purpose of a test? Bishvil l'gadlan ba'olam, to make them great in the world. Who is they? They is the tzaddikim. Kaneis hazesh to raise them out like the mast of a ship. V'chol kach lama, what's the purpose of that? Mimne koshet, because of truth. That's the end of that verse in Tehillim. What's that? A very clever play on words. The word koshet in, biblical, in poetic biblical Hebrew and Aramaic means truth, kushta. Uh, however, lihit kashet also means to adorn oneself. So they're playing on the words, koshet, it's because of truth, and kashet so that God's judgment should be adorned properly. It should look good. What does that mean? If a person turns around and says, God enriches the one he likes. And the one he doesn't like, he makes poor. The one he likes, he makes a king. Right. In other words, that God is capricious and there is no judgment or justice. God liked Avram for whatever reason, so he gave him all of this good stuff. Avraham, so Melech, so Ashir. Here's how you will answer him. In other words, if you're put on the front lines of defending the justice of God in the face of the fact that Avraham, who is God's beloved, is raised to all of these great uh, advantages in the world, here's what your answer can be. Could you do what Avraham Avinu did? He'll say, what did he do? You tell him, Avram was 100 when his son was finally born. And with all that pain of waiting that long and finally having a child, God told him, take that beloved only son up to the mountain. And Avram did not hold back, did not restrain. You see what it means that you've given them a banner to raise them up to justify, the tekoshet, to adorn and justify midat adin, so that God's judgment and God's selection becomes validated. And now we have another pasuk, again dealing with this problem of a test. As you can see, the rabbis were grappling with the problem. Why would God test anybody? God knows how you're going to do. What's the purpose? So another pasuk from Tehillim, Adonai tzaddik yivchan v'rasha ovoev chamas God tests the tzaddik, but the wicked one, God hates. As if to say, a test is only given to somebody that God loves. Let's see what this is about. Amar Rabbi Yonatan, Rabbi Yonatan says, Hapishtani hazeh, a flax salesman. Kshepishtano lokeh, eno makisha laviyoter. If he has weak flax, he doesn't hit it in the marketplace. Neshipokat, because it'll break. But when he has strong flax, then he hits it hard. 
And that actually makes it better. In other words, by taking this flax that can withstand the blows and giving them uh, a good smack, it strengthens them. God does not give a test to the Rishayim. Because they can't take the test. They can't stand it. And therefore, the wicked are, are swept away like the sea. And the, the first, smallest thing comes along and they're finished. Who does he test? He tests the tzadikim. And that's our verse. And now, here's another example. And it also starts with, and this is when Mrs. Potiphar tries to seduce Yosef. And now in our case, so in other words, Yosef's test is because Yosef could stand up to it. Um, and, and here is a different perspective. It's not that it justifies the selection of Yosef out, uh, outwardly, but rather it makes Yosef a stronger person for his a- being able to withstand it. Right, now this is a slightly different take. <clears throat> he says, and this is also Rabbi Yonatan, he says, a potter, when he wants to check out the how well the oast has worked or the kiln has worked, he doesn't check the bad and the weak vessels. He doesn't hit them. speak like he hits it once and they break. He takes the real strong flasks. He won't break them if um, if he hits them a few times. Now this one's different than the pishtan, and this is a different take. The one with the flax was it actually makes them stronger by testing them. In other words, the test is something that raises your character. The second take is I'm selling pots out in the marketplace. I don't want to show everybody how strong my pots are. I'm not going to hit the weak ones because they'll break. I'm going to hit the strong ones. And this is, again, like the first Midrash, that it's an outward presentation. That's why God only tests those who are righteous. So this is a midrashic way of introducing a parable. Le is short for What is this like? This is like a, a balabait who has two cows. Again, the same dichotomy of the strong one and the weak one. A good cow, strong cow, and a weak cow. Who does he put the, the, uh, the yoke on? puts it on the one that's strong. Again, the same idea that he only tests the tzadikim. Now, this is a third take. We've had one take, which is God tests those who can demonstrate to the outside world why their selection is justified. The second one, God tests those who, as a result of the test, instead of breaking, they'll become stronger. And the third one is, God tests those when he doesn't not testing. When there's a job that has to be done, he gives it to the one who can actually do the job. Now, that's a very different take because that means that anything that we're going to look at as a test is actually an action that had to happen in the world, and God is going to give it to the one who he knows can fulfill it properly. Very different take. Davar acher, Adonai tzadik yivchan ze Avraham. Now, this is a common midrashic tool, which is to take a pasuk in some later book of Tanakh, especially in the wisdom books like Mishlei and those parts of Tehillim and Kohelet and Eov, and then have it be a referent back to some earlier character. 
So Adonai Tzadik Yivchan in Tehilim, God tests the Tzadik, Zeh Avraham. That's a reference to Avraham in our story. Rabbi Avun Patach. Now, what does that mean, Patach? So this is a Ptichta, an introductory poem, I mentioned it earlier, to the story of the Akedah. So that means that before the reading of the Akedah, in, in the Beit Kesed, Rabbi Avun got up and gave this introduction. Pasuk in Kohelet. And again, the style of Aptichta is to begin with a Pasuk from some other place in Tanakh and wind the drasha back and come back to the core text. So he says, the word of the king is rule, and who's going to tell the king what to do? And what's it like? It's like a teacher who teaches a student. The Torah says, do not subvert judgment. But the teacher himself subverts judgment. You're not allowed to favor anybody in court. The, the rabbi is teaching a student how to be a judge. But he does favor people. You're not allowed to take bribery. And the teacher takes bribery. He says, you don't lend an, an, another Jew with interest. And the teacher himself does. So the student said to the teacher, essentially, it's hypocritical. You're telling me not to do something. You're doing it yourself. It's permitted to you, but it's, pro- it's, it's forbidden for me. He said, you have to pay close attention. What I said is you're not allowed to lend another Jew with by interest. You could certainly say, lend to a non-Jew with interest. The Pasuk says it. So, in other words, if you listen carefully to the command, you'll see that he's not being hypocritical. The command he gave you was more, was more narrow than you thought. And here's the Nimshal, the lesson. This is what Am Yisrael said. You told us in the Torah that we should not take vengeance. And yet you are a God who takes vengeance. At the beginning of the book of Nachum, God is one who takes vengeance. You know what I actually said in the Torah? I paid attention. You can't take vengeance from your fellow Jew. But to take vengeance from the non-Jews who hurt you and attacked you, that you can do. And that, why is this, what's this whole Midrash doing here? Because the Torah says you're not allowed to test God. And yet God tests man. So God's answer would be, yeah, you're not allowed to test God because that's an inappropriate part of the relationship. But the test man is not inappropriate. And now we come to uh, the, the, a little bit of Parshanut of the text itself. After these matters, what does that mean? What are the matters? Because there was somebody who was cogitating, was thinking about something. That's the Dvarim. What's that? It's Avram was having thoughts. When Yitzchak was born, I had a great celebration and I made everybody around happy. I didn't give anything to God, no Korban. I'm 
I did it on condition that I would be even able to tell you, bring your son, and you wouldn't hold back. Okay? So, in other words, it's okay that you didn't bring anything because I know that you'd bring anything. Now we have a different Midrashic direction, and we're going to see a curious background to this. According to Rabbi Lazar, who has the drasha, that every time it says, Veha Elohim, it's God and his heavenly retinue. What happened? There's Malachim standing before God, and they're saying, Avraham, Now it's not Avraham having considerations, it's the angels. And now it's not Avraham feeling regret that he didn't bring anything to God, it's the angels accusing Avraham. He had a big party, he gave everybody stuff, and he didn't bring one thing to God. And God said to them, I know that even if I asked him to bring his own son, he wouldn't hold back. All right, so that's Achard Vemayila. So Achard Vemayila may be Avraham's thoughts, it may be a discussion in heaven, and it may be this following thing. And Rashi quotes some of this in his commentary Yitzchak and Ishmael are having a discussion. Yishmael says, I'm more beloved to God because I was 13 years old when I had Brit Milah. Yitzchak says, I'm more beloved because I did it when I was eight days old, or it happened to me when I was eight days old. So who's more beloved here? Yishmael, on the other hand, was older, could feel the pain, maybe had a choice. Yitzchak, on the other hand, had it on the exact proper day and spent every day of his life, besides the first seven, as a, as a circumcised child. Amarle Ishmael, Anichavi Mukhasu Ishmael tries to up that and says, Lama Shayasi Plama, Shayasi Pekbi Adim Khodvilamachiti. I could have said no, and I didn't. You couldn't have said no, you're eight days old. So Yitzchak at that point turns around and says, I wish that God would come to me right now and say, Give me a limb of yours, and I wouldn't hold back. Now, this is a very different take on the Akedah. This is, this entire paragraph in the Midrash is a very different take and a big departure from the direction that we had earlier. And you see how much they are grappling with the problem of the Akedah. But again, it's the issue of the test. Here in this paragraph, it focuses on Achar Dvayma'ila as a cause, meaning had there not been whatever words there were, Avraham's thoughts, the Malachim's thoughts, Yitzchak and Ishmael's discussion, the Akedah wouldn't have happened. It happened as a divine response, not to other people saying Avram was enriched the wrong way, or I have something I have to get done in the world and Avram's the man for it, but rather something within Avram's family caused this. Either Avram himself saying, I had a big party and I didn't give anything to God. So God's trying to show Avram, you'd be ready to give me anything. Or the Malachim saying that. And Avram, Hashem saying to the Malachim, Avram would be really ready to give me anything. Or Yishmael pushing Yitzchak to the brink and Yitzchak saying, I wish God would ask me, which by the way is, is new because it means that it's Yitzchak who's commanded regarding the Akedah, not Avraham, which of course is not Pshat. Uh, so what happened? God said, ooh, Yitzchak is ready for that. Boom, I'm going to right away Akedah. Nusach Acher, now in the Vilna edition, it's not in the Albeck position, uh, 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 version, but in the Vilna edition of the Midrash, we have this Nusach Acher, a slightly different version of that last bit. So it kind of puts the two together. I had Mila when I was 13, you were eight days old, you couldn't have stopped it. 
What did you give God? You gave him a few little drops. Because you were already, we assume, Nimol, and that was his Hatafatam. Now this follows one particular Midrashic approach. The Yitzchak was 37 at the time. This, by the way, means, according to these Midrashim, that Yitzchak and Yishmael continued to have a relationship well after Yishmael was thrown out of the house. Not at all shot in, in the text, not our concern. Uh, and this is different than the other version. Here he says, if God asked me to be slaughtered, I wouldn't stop. And Hashem said, ooh, now's the propitious time. He just said he's ready to be shechted. Now's the time to, to demonstrate that. And so at the end of this series of passages, we come back sort of to the beginning, where Hashem's selection of Yitzchak over Yishmael is now justified, and Yitzchak's the one who has to actually defend it to Yishmael, and God's going to come to his aid by saying, that which Yitzchak says he's ready to do, I'm going to show that he's ready to do by commanding his father to do it. Okay. I want to take a look at one last thing uh, here, and that is uh, to go to reach back much further than the era of the Midrash. We're just looking at a Midrash that again was from the 4th century, the Chachamim that we heard speaking here, Rabbi Yonatan, primarily from the 3rd century. Um, I want to go to the Book of Jubilees. The Book of Jubilees, which is uh, something we've looked at early, uh, earlier in the year in, uh, in our study of Abraham, is a book of the Apocrypha, uh, which means it is one of the books that was um, composed, um, edited, uh, published, as it were, by religious Jews in the couple centuries leading up to uh, the turn of the millennium and, and within the first century or two afterwards. Uh, and these books, in some cases, were vying to be included in the Tanakh, but were not, and as a result, they were banned. And with almost uh, no exceptions, we lost the Hebrew original, the Book of Jubilees, as a matter of fact, we only found in its entirety uh, in Gez, in the Ethiopian language. Uh, but we did find parts of the Book of Jubilees and parts of many of the, uh, many of the other books of the Apocrypha in Hebrew in Qumran. Uh, however, the only book that we still have of the, of the Apocrypha from its original Hebrew is the Book of Ben Sirah, which the rabbis had a lot of consideration for. In any case, the Book of Jubilees it presents itself as exactly what it sounds like. It's a chronography that details the history of the world from creation by days, months, years, Shemitot, and Yovlim, uh, all the way to Harsinai, because according to this book, it was given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Harsinai. So it can't present information about things that happen afterwards. But there's a lot of information on Breshit in Sefer, in Sefer Yovlim, and a lot of um, uh, what were clearly the early Midrashim are woven in, but watch this, in chapter 17, which is the preface, the prologue, if you will, to the, to the Akedah, you see this passage in paragraph 16. Um, in, uh, we'll go back to paragraph 15. It came to pass in the seventh week. A week here is the Shemitah. In the first year thereof, so that means it's the beginning of the next Yovel. In the first month, uh, sorry, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the year 43, so it's coming to the, towards the end of the Yovel. 
In the first month in this jubilee, on the twelfth of the month, there were voices in heaven regarding Avraham, that he was faithful in all that he had told him, and that he loved the Lord, and in every affliction he was faithful. In other words, the Malachim are talking about how great Avraham is. And the prince Mastema, now Mastema is exactly what his sound, name sounds like, later becomes somebody we call Satan. In other words, earlier than that, actually in, in Tanakh, but um, Mastema is an angel who is a, a prosecuting angel, somebody who's there to point out the failures of people. And said before God, Behold, Avram loves Isaac his son and delights in him above all things. Bid him offer him as a burnt offering on the altar, and thou wilt see if he will do his command. Thou will know if he is faithful in everything wherein thou dost try him. Interesting is that here a malach comes before God and says, Sure, Avram loves you because you've given all this stuff. Ask him to sacrifice Yitzchak. Let's see if he's ready to do it. And, of course, Hashem knows he's faithful, and Hashem then tests him. But notice that now what motivates the test? A dare. A dare given by one of the angels says, you're so proud of Avram, and everybody's talking about how great he is. Let's really give him a, let's see if he really is. Now, this, of course, is very difficult theologically, but it's not unprecedented. Because if you look at the next page, you will see that the Gemara and Sota, following the Mishnah, that describes Eov as a man who feared God greatly, has this bright uh, from Rameir. Elohim Both of them are called Yirei Elohim. Ma Yirei Elohim Hamur Avraham Miyahava Af Yirei Elohim Hamur Biyov Miyira Miyahava. The point is that in this Brita, Avram and Eov are paralleled. There's several other places in Chazal where the two of them are paralleled. And if we take a look at Source 4, which is the from Chapter 1 of Eov, very famously the story of Eov begins with a description of Eov, who is Yirei Elohim, Messiah Meirai, is a great guy. And every time that uh, his children have a party, he brings korbanot every week because he's afraid maybe they've sinned and they've cursed God. And that's the, the theme of Eov's uh, cons- religious concerns. And in the meantime, there's a, a gathering of the B'nai Elohim of the angels in heaven, and uh, Satan comes from visiting the earth, and God says to him, where have you been? He's been to the earth. Have you seen my, uh, my Eov? My Eov, nobody is as faithful as Eov. And he says, yeah, sure, because you've given him so much wealth. Take stuff away and let's see what happens. And he says, okay, you have the right to take whatever you want away from him. Just don't hurt him. And he goes down and his kids die and his business is lost and everything is destroyed and Eov stays loyal to God. And that's the, that happens a second time and that sets up the real point of the book, which is the, the philosophic musings about theodicy, about God's, about why bad things happening to good people in the world. Um, but notice that this idea that goes back to uh, Jubilees, which is the angel challenging God to test Avram to see if he's really loyal, which is taken clearly from the beginning of the book of Eov, shows up again in Chazal a few hundred years later as a comparison between Eov and Avraham and their loyalty to God. And so um, these Midrashic ideas that are older than the composition of the Midrashim then some make their way sometimes into later Midrashim, just something interesting to look at. Okay, in Mirza Hashem next week, we're going to take a look at some further Midrashic <coughs> material on the Akedah as getting us ready to delve into this very challenging and very exciting parasha. Uh, in the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful Shabbat.